Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Radcast. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard through the grapevine about the lucrative packages available to UK radiologists that move to the Middle East, but very rarely do we get to hear from someone that has actually made that move. Well, today, we're fortunate to be joined by Dr. Umer Jamjua, who is a UK-trained radiologist who now works in Dubai, and he's going to give us his first-hand experience of what life is like working out there. So yeah, hi, Umi. It's great to have you with us. Um, can you start by just giving us a brief rundown of your career in the UK, um, perhaps up to the point um, when you decided to flee for pastures greener? Hi, Uzi. Hi, Jamie. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, sure. I went to school in the West Midlands. I went to med school at the University of Birmingham, F1, F2 in the West Midlands, and then radiology training in the West Midlands Deanery. I did subspecialty training. I started in neuro intervention. Uh, and after six months, I changed to do MSK on top of that and stopped neuro intervention. I carried on doing a day, a week or two days a week of diagnostic neuro radiology. So I was in a, I was in a center that supported this. Okay. Uh, and then I, I had a six month extension and then I finished, I went into a DGH hospital where I did both neuro and MSK, uh, at the same time, I was doing a degree at UCL, uh, which was in the School of Management, like a master's degree. So I could start on three days a week only. Uh, and then after the degree finished, I had two days free. I went back to the neuro center, the QE, and asked them to do a locum as just neuroradiology. Uh, and they said yes. And then I worked two days a week over there. And eventually, um, I ended up switching my job to be a substantive neuroradiologist three days a week at QE, but for a short period of time and, and locum at my DGH hospital, keeping my MSK. That's okay. it. And I did teleradiology for five years as well. Actually, I started teleradiology as a registrar uh, for four ways. Oh, yeah, because they, they let registrars do, um, isn't it pain films to start with, or did you do cross-section yeah. for them? No, I believe I was the first, uh, just plain films. Right. I had to cut a cut a deal with them it was reasonable I said, <laughs> I said i need to learn your systems and uh if you let me do x-rays then you know i'd be reporting for you afterwards and they they, they did take their time and thought about it and they talked to me and they mm -hmm. were keen and then i'm glad to see that that that's what they do now for for the registrars i know one mm -hmm. guy who did it after me as well he's also moved to right. uh, qatar actually so so why was it then if you if you had a Kind of a great setup with your um, your two different jobs, doing the two subspecialties that you enjoyed, and then the teleradiology on the side. What was it that then led you to look at leaving the UK? Um, well, I think um, you know, it's a difficult one. It it wasn't money, uh, which is what people might think. Um, it was um, to have a perspective on a different way of living. Um, I mean, you hear good and bad things about Dubai, but um. I didn't actually go there and work until I'd done a locum there because I just wanted to have something to compare to. If you're in England the whole life, and actually I was in the West Midlands my whole life, it's uh, it's very difficult to have a comparison. Mm. Uh, and that's probably the biggest reason. So I, so here's the thing. When you work in a DGH, uh, the people that come through there, believe it or not, I think they're richer with their experience. They're more worldly wise uh, mm. because they come from different countries. Uh, and they bring along with them all their contacts. So here's one guy in the in the in the DGH who had told me his friend's clinical director of one of the hospitals in Dubai. Why don't you speak to him? And he offered me a locum. Uh, wow! And in the middle of me leaving my substantive post at the DGH to become a substantive doctor at the tertiary centre, there was some time free. So I just took the opportunity, did the locum, and you know that's where it. That's where I made the decision three or four months after that. Okay. So, yeah, can you just tell us uh, how did that locum sort of, what was the structure of that job? Um, how did you go about organising it? It seems very sort of an unusual um, offer. Mm, mm. Um, there's a word in um, Arabic that they all use over there. It's called wasta. And it means it's who you know. Um, <laughs> and this was the case. So my friend over in the DGH... He's the one who introed me to his best friend, who was Egyptian, and they went to med school together and did radiology training together. And that's it. We just spoke on Skype, and he told me about how it works in Dubai, you know, how much you get paid, what the package is, and what you can expect from the job. 
and and that was it. it was just conversation for me to um work yeah. out what i like because the year before that i was i was due to take up a post in um, australia mm-hmm. in perth uh which didn't happen because my wife uh, became pregnant uh and they were horrible anyway so um <laughs> it was this it wasn't really planned none of it was planned the pregnancy wasn't planned uh the jobs was were not planned the move was not planned but i'm really happy so how long were you were you working as a consultant in the the uk for before moving five years okay five years Uh, and um your your intention up until that point i'd say you were going to go to perth was the perth um job going to be sort of a, a short term thing or were you planning on emigrating permanently uh, no short term. There was no plan to emigrate permanently. And even now, I just I don't like to close doors. I don't intend to stay away forever. Uh, and you can't do that with Dubai anyway. Uh, it, mm. This is all. Perth was simply, again, a way to have a different world to compare to what I know. My brother, mm. my brother had emigrated, you know, my parents or my grandparents had emigrated. So like, I'm one of the few that didn't. I think it's important to see what other parts of the world have to offer. Yeah, I think that um, the the way healthcare is delivered here is kind of when you compare to like other countries, it, it's it's quite unusual here um, having kind of a, an all encompassing public public system. Mm. So, yeah, I think it would it would be useful to have experience of how how doctors work outside of that kind of sheltered environment, as it were. Mm. Yeah, uh, this is true. It's a minority way of working for doctors i'd say the majority of doctors in the world they work more with private healthcare systems than they do public and you learn a lot when you work with private healthcare systems you learn what what not to do or who not to upset uh, and how, <laughs> how to get through your day because you have more people that can be upset with you in, in radiology so here's a nugget uh when you have is it too early for nuggets no go for it <laughs> When you have a radiologist in England or, or an anaesthetist in England, it's almost like they control the flow of the patient because your doctor will be asking you, is this guy good for surgery or has this guy got anything that's worse than it was before? And when you say yes or no, they have a plan based on what you say. But in the private world over there, what happens is they already made the decision whether they want to yeah. take this guy to theatre and then, but the insurance needs for you to sign off on the report. Like if this, if this knee doesn't have as bad arthritis as he thinks, why should the insurance pay, right? So the insurance are waiting for you to say yes or no. And, you know, if you're reasonable and fair, you might well say no, not in direct words, but you might say, hey, it's mild to moderate degree arthritis in this compartment. The insurance mm. won't sign off. And then you become the enemy of the guy who needed to get his patient to theatre, not because he wants money, maybe because he needs to save his job. He needs to have a good turnaround from clinic chair to theatre table. And that's where the radiologist actually becomes the problem, uh, the rate determining mm. step. And that's quite difficult, actually, in private health care, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, it seems like it introduces all sorts of perverted incentives um, that <laughs> people worry about with private health care. Uh, interesting. Yes. So I think in England, when you have, so I, I did a startup in healthcare insurance and private healthcare in England is often the addition to what your normal job is. And that's why it's like, you know, um, a premium rates, hundreds and 200 pounds per hour, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But when you're working just in the private hospital, your intention is to show a good turnaround to your boss. So it might be that you've got six uh, orthopedic surgeons in your hospital and two of them are really good, right? And they bring in like over £200,000 a month, let's say. But then you go to the chief and you say, hey, I want a raise because I earn a lot of money for the hospital. They'll give you that raise. But what they also do is employ two more orthopedic surgeons. And then they say, and this happened, then they say the worst performing two will get fired. <laughs> so now there's more money to go around between the eight people, not six. So everyone's going to lose money. And then, mm. you know, you're in competition. And that's why people need to convert sometimes, you know. Get yeah. yeah, yeah. I think people sometimes want the best of both worlds here. They want sort of the private sector fame about dealing with the cutthroat nature of it. Whereas yeah. I, I think we're very insulated from that in the UK. And the demands and the pace of work is are a lot um, lower. You don't have to deal with any of that other 
of a sort of thing. I think it's the metrics as well, isn't it? Like the, you know, people talk about about reporting numbers in radiology, but they're not they're not kind of held over you by the leads of the department. You're not benchmarked against Mm -hmm. everybody Mm -hmm. publicly and told, okay, well, this month you reported this many body parts, whereas you know your peers are doing this, so. You need yeah. to sort yourself out, or you're getting fired. You know, it's not, yeah, it's exactly. not it's not that yeah. extreme. Yeah. So one of the hospitals I work for over here, at, you know, at its height, had two and a half thousand studies waiting to be reported. Um, uh, but in Dubai, we have a turnaround time of twenty four working hours, which does not mean one calendar day, like it means you know eight a.m. to six p.m. and three three of those probably. So you within two days of having had a study done, you need to report it. And, mm. and that's a KPI you need to get a 95% hit rate on for wow. your appraisal. Yeah. Uh, and uh, where you go wrong is when there might be a weekend or a public holiday or that patient is a visitor. And these visiting patients, like it's holiday healthcare. Dubai, Dubai is one of the few places in the world where <coughs> north meets south and east meets west. And so there's so many people who come from the south of the world or, or the east and they come and land there and they want all of their workup done. So this is the doctor. They get all their investigations and they see the doctor uh, and they need a plan before they go back or come back again. And that's really heavy pressure. So you usually have to report it the same day. Completely different pressures to the NHS. This is an outpatient. Mm. So, yeah, you went to Dubai. You did your locum for how month? How many months was it? It was due for five weeks. Okay. And uh, I came back at like four because uh, UK just went into lockdown. And so I had to get back before that happened. So I cut the locum short. Mm -hmm. They give you a check uh, at the end and then you have to come back with the check uh, and, you know, declare your tax and that kind of thing. Yeah. (coughs) Excuse me. so that was so that was your first experience out there and then Mm. did you go back yeah that was it then i they offered me a job it was a really good experience even even so there was a valet parking you know like you can go to my hospital and pay 12 pounds for the day and still struggle to find a car (laughs) park but over here you paid four pounds and someone would park it for you and bring it for you Uh, (laughs) but you never had to valet you never had to value just because there was always space in the car park anyway. Oh, you know? God, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Those little things. Even the hand gel was perfumed. Oh, wow. Right? And they had steak in the restaurant. <laughs> uh, it was, you it had was, to pay for it. It wasn't free lunches. At least, at least tell me that. No, but it was heavily subsidized. And that's Dubai. Um, and this is one of subsidized the private oil money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, so, Instagrammers, tourism. Yes, yeah, yeah. So you you moved out there and you started uh, started working in this job that you already had a bit of experience of. Um, yeah. What was the process like for getting licensed to work out there as a doctor? Did the hospital kind of sort that out for you, or or did you have to do all of that yourself? No, they sorted it all out. I mean, I provided all my paperwork, and they just expedited the stuff through. They actually did it for my locum and they were really driven to do that because I had to cover someone's leave. This is, you know, um, there are going to be six doctors and you're going to cover one of the six that go away. They never have more than that because it costs money. Mm. So when that guy goes, I've got to be ready to step in. And then I go when he comes back, it's a replacement. Um, and that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I couldn't do my work, then I was covering the chief he couldn't go on leave. So they really expedited. They pushed it through. It was really easy. To be honest, I don't even remember it. I I, I know the wow. paperwork. Yeah, they did it within mm. a week or something. Wow. I think it takes longer than that because people do it by themselves. But mm. when the hospital d- does it, it's just quick. They've and got the contact. Contact. Wasta, the same Wasta, word. Wasta, yeah. Wasta. <laughs> <laughs> and presumably they recognize FRCR and you you don't have to do any other exams to work out there. Uh, yeah, it's true. So, um, so they they do recognise the FRCR. The majority, all of them do. It's the health authority, the Dubai Health Authority, that do. Um, the particular hospital I worked in uh, had a preference for American doctors, and they called everybody else the or equivalent, which is kind of insulting. But, <laughs> oh wow! Um, yeah, and Americans also got paid more because. 
they have to declare oh taxes God. in their own country, so they I think yeah. they have to pay tax. Um, that's why though it wasn't anything more than okay. That. Mm. Interesting. Um, but they did prefer Americans because it was called it was called the American Hospital, uh, but it's not a brand of anything. It's just called that, and it's the oldest private hospital. Mm. So it seems like you really had quite sort of a you had an in um, the, the Worcester um, um, mm-hmm. the connection, <laughs> and then uh, it seems like you were sort of working in a place where it'd be quite difficult for someone else to sort of follow that same path um it's quite quite unique to your experience yeah so so here so when i when i stopped neurointervention one of the reasons i stopped is because i didn't want to be a, a one-trick pony who could only work in maybe 10 or 15 hospitals in in the in england um and you're really at the, like at the mercy of other people offering jobs then really mm-hmm. it, it's it's a weird place right now just because everyone wants to get their thrombectomy off the ground right so they're offering lots of jobs for that rotor but the same people don't do much neurointervention when it comes to the cold stuff. Anyway, I'm saying this because then I worked really hard to keep my 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 work going, uh, even on calls between the um, DGH and the neuro center, so that I could genuinely say that I I, I do general radiology and I have these specialist interests, mm. and I think that's really hard to do because the job the job I went into was very general but I was the guy they would come to for neuro especially like you know advanced imaging uh, and even MSK ultrasound nobody did it uh, and mm. MSK injections uh, but of course the on-call was a general on-call I was even mm. reporting gynae pelvis mm. neonatal ultrasound oh my god <laughs> yep yep terrifying <laughs> it is terrifying uh, and you have to learn and you have to yeah. be responsible very very responsible Mm. Um, know where your weaknesses are but that that's part of you know but that's when you're out of your comfort zone and that's where you do learn because when you're in the same hospital for five years uh, it's very easy to be comfortable and then people become institutionalized after 10 or 15 or 20 years and they actually don't they find it hard to move because they don't want to be I won't say this for everyone but some people don't want to know what they they don't want to be caught uh, picked up on what they don't know because they don't know what they don't know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't want to be that guy either. And I advise that for anybody. So in order to sort of move out there, do they want you to be a generalist? Yes. Yes, uh, very much in the hospitals. Um, so so that doesn't work for intervention. Okay. Uh, you come as an interventional radiologist, but they expect interveners to report general radiology. Mm. However, it doesn't have to go the other way. So a generalist would be really diagnostic generalist, yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that you guys, are you still registered? Jamie, you're not a registrar, but Uzoma, I think you're a registrar. I know, I'm, I'm a consultant as of... Oh, uh, you're a consultant? Too much, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, congratulations. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think that the, the syllabus changed recently for the registrars, where it's more yes, general. Yes, it did, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a lot more general for them now. They have to do a lot more IR type stuff as well throughout their training, regardless of their subspecialty choice as well. Yeah, so the scene is said for them to have to take on this challenge actually but the rest of us as well i think that it's as brave it, it depends on you it's as brave as you want to be some people don't like to venture outside their comfort zone and i don't i don't think i'm one of those mm-hmm. so okay what, what was it like then sort of a day-to-day working in uh in a dubai department what hospital were you in again what was it called it's called the american hospital mayo clinic oh the american um, okay mm-hmm. yeah it's about 200 beds private hospital in healthcare city um it was, it was when I went for my locum. It was a lot easier than when it was afterwards because afterwards I was one of the guys who um, would be covering for for people when they're on holiday. So, so there were six radiologists, and you know that's the bare minimum. And it was, it was quite difficult when someone would want to go on leave or need to go on leave. We'd cover them, uh, and we'd end up doing double the day's work generally. So um, you could end up having twenty MRI scans in a list. And 50 ultrasound scans because there'd be sonographers, you know, doing the scans and you'd be checking the images. Okay. Uh, which you get, it's, it's just a numbers game. You get more mm. money if you do more scans. And if the waiting list goes up, then people go elsewhere. It's customer service, you know, it's like a restaurant. If the queue's wow. too long, you'll go somewhere else. And that's exactly how it is. So it was quite hard um, that, but there would be a bonus depending on how much you reported. It's called an incentive. Um, uh, and, work. well we didn't have a choice whatever came to our list 
we would report that and we'd have a two-day turnaround time, right? That 24-hour working hour turnaround mm-hmm. time. So I don't think anybody ever thought about the incentives. Where it would come into question is if someone's coming to me for MSK, because I wanted to just report everybody's MSK and let them report, say, my gynae pelvis or my MR liver. Yeah. But there was much more MSK in neuro, and so people would get less incentive and I'd end up getting more, which is reasonable mm. for them to report their own. Of course, there needs to be the skill mix. Um, so that was, that. I think the workload was quite heavy. It was 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, and of course, five you can't just leave. It was five days a week, but there was no set weekend. So Friday was a weekend day, and the other day was a rolling day. It could be on a Monday, it could be on a Thursday or a Saturday when you'd get two days in a row. Mm-hmm. but Saturday, Sunday weren't guaranteed. And at the, in Dubai at the time, Friday and Saturday was uh, the weekend. Mm. Uh, and then Dubai changed its weekend to Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and that was a big problem for the hospital because Friday was still the day off. Uh, and that's because of a, uh, an operational workflow decision. You know, people people still go and pray and Friday is mm-hmm. still a quiet day. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of people were upset. But for me, Working there, even the nine months I was there before I decided to hand in my resignation, I, I just forgot where the weekend was. So the pay was really good, but you don't know when one week stopped and the other started. Honestly, and I look so old already, I didn't want to remember or not remember where the rest of my years have gone. It was very scary. But to be honest, it sounds a bit hostile. Like, would would you say you were reporting scared? Nah. No, no, uh, okay. You could check. No, no. I mean, you're worried about the turnaround time. That's yeah, exactly. Because you're on probation for six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay. my colleagues were great. Uh, we we weren't worried about each other. It might be someone senior might say, "Oh, he's on probation. He doesn't turn around quick enough." So mm. you know, he's he he. You need to watch him. Yeah. So our colleagues are fine. The radiologist, even the chief, but. Uh, you just don't know who from above could say whatever they want. And, mm. uh, you know, people have, uh, it, it's kind of hierarchical there. Yeah. You really are. You're right. You're scared of people who are at the top because they can control you. And um, in Dubai, if you don't have a job, you can lose your visa. It's yeah. an employment visa. So you want to work for an employer you trust or, or get one of these visas that aren't related to your job. So did you did you find that you were having to, stay back beyond kind of your hours that you would that you would normally do in the day to kind of make sure that you were meeting that turnaround time for the reports uh no i was quite planned maybe 20 minutes more at the most okay Uh, i think i was okay but um you know uh for example if you were to leave early or come in late um that's a thing because because somebody's watching you and you're getting paid Mm. I think in the NHS, as long as you're reasonable with what you do uh, and you're conscientious, this is not such a big issue. I mean, I, I, I've seen people come in two hours late just because they don't have work to do, but but they might stay two hours later. Mm, yeah. But even time shifting was an issue there. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think the it was a healthy work environment. So the, the biggest killer was the on-call. Well, you'd be on-call one weekday in the week, there's no registrar, of course. It costs too much money. We're not there to train. We're there to produce. Wow. Uh, so you, you you would get woken up four or five times in the night uh, in this particular hospital, uh, and it was getting up to 10. Uh, and then you would have to give a verbal report based on a laptop. Mm. You, okay. you can imagine all the problems that come along with that. Yeah. Mm. Where are all the um, Dubai radiology trainees? Where are they learning their trade? Or do they just import well, what all radiologists? Yeah, no, they import a finished article. I think there are trainees starting to come, uh, not in our hospital, maybe in the government hospitals, but but yeah, you import. So one of the things about Dubai for any industry, and everybody has said this to me, I've got lots of friends there now, you come out at the level you, ex- you, you go in at, you'll never grow a career mm. in a place like this. Mm. They're buying talent or, or, or some finished article and then you produce at that level, even if you get a promotion, the rest of the world, I think, are skeptical about how it, how it really is. I, I don't, I don't know too much about that, to be honest, but mm. it's for sure that you don't grow there. So mm. I, don't, I don't think they train generally radiology. So what, what was the, um, what was the makeup of, of the department like where you were working? Was it, was, were there a lot of other doctors who had worked in the UK or was it kind of other countries that were represented? There were six consultants, 
at my time. Uh, one, two, uh, two of us were UK trained. Um, the one was Intervena and one was me. Um, one guy was trained from Denmark. Uh, one guy was, oh, three of us were UK trained. One guy was trained from Denmark. One lady was trained from Denmark. Um, and then there was a, a gentleman trained from the States uh, and another nuclear medicine consultant trained from the States and a another chief of radiology who was trained in Egypt, seven of us. <laughs> and it's quite varied, actually. Mm. Um, and the, the bigger the bigger number was the UK people. Right. Um, and that's not just FRCI, it's trained in England. Uh, very few Americans, actually, in the hospital. And that's just because I think um, it wasn't worth their effort to come because I think in America they still earn better. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, even allowing for taxes, yeah. they're probably still better off. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The people who had moved were moving for different reasons, like avoiding gun crime or drugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. no, no, seriously, yeah. Lifestyle. They would literally yeah, lifestyle. come over. Lifestyle, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think you get a, a good work-life balance if you work for a hospital in in Dubai. And all of my colleagues, including me, we, we, we got older while we work there <laughs> like older than we should get and and what about the patients is it, is it mainly emiratis or is there a lot of, you said there's a lot of um, healthcare tourism uh no this hospital i think was uh, a mixture but it would it would weed out people who are who are less expectant so the, the people who just are happy to get healthcare for you. I'm really generalizing. They'd probably end up at the government hospitals, but in this private hospital, which is well advertised, it's got a big record. You'd get uh, Emiratis with their families, um, mm-hmm. a big, the big families, for example, uh, and um, you would get uh, the people who come from abroad, uh, and yeah, the people who come from abroad who were not Emirati, they were very, very expensive. Beckton's. They, they mm. wanted. They wanted everything done yesterday. It was like a concierge service. Like they could ask to speak to the doctor, and you would feel obliged to speak to them. Yeah. So while everybody calls you doctor and doctor over there, and they're really kind, uh, you are controlled, actually, wow. much more than you are here. We are autonomous here. It's mm. nice. You can you can have your opinion, and you can go and speak to anybody at the top, you know, with respect. But over here, over in Dubai, we don't do that. Mm. You know, we're worried for our jobs. Patients can just walk to the seat. This happened. A patient had a prostate measured one way, and then the next time it was measured another way. He was also an Egyptian CEO, and my hospital's doctor was an Egyptian CEO. What did he do? He he met with me for an hour where I explained to him how we measure it using, you know, a volumetric calculation. And this is a neuroradiologist and an MSK radiologist telling him this. <laughs> Uh, and then I was trying to explain, well, this is where you can get the difference in the numbers, right? So it might be 50 mils or it might be 40 mils. And this is why he took my point, but he went straight to the CEO's office. This time he told the CEO, this guy's really good, but here's my complaint. Look at this for a poor measurement. Um, wow. And then we're, we have stress. And so the Dr. Janja was really good because he explained this to me. But look at this. This is mm. measured at 40 millimeters. And last last time it was measured at 20. Therefore... I need to have surgery, and now he's explained it. It's okay, but this shouldn't happen. And of mm. course, uh, that's Wasta. They know each other, <laughs> <laughs> and the rubbish rolls downhill. <laughs> yeah, mm. Of course, but was any consideration given to your mental health out there? Oh no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, um, you no. Uh, how can I answer that? Uh, I think that. Uh, I mean, your your people are really kind. People, even my colleagues, there were really kind. Okay, you know, they'll even shed a tear with you or for you. <laughs> you know, um, people are people are just softer generally there, and they're attuned to people's happiness or sadness. But whether we're as good at understanding mental health oh, i don't think so mm. Mm. Uh, work-life balance is not a thing like on my day off if it was a tuesday and somebody called me which is fine they can call me i can't say it's my day off mm. um, yeah because uh, and that becomes a problem because if you miss a phone call which also happened to me then i ended up in front of the medical director 
Oh my goodness! So wow. yeah, yeah. This is this is a scare story, but uh, I think no, it's brilliant. This is what yeah, you this hear is, about. Yeah, um, this is the stuff. Yeah, people hear the, the headline numbers and then that, that's mm. it. They're sold. But yeah, it's, it's useful to have yeah. a more well-rounded. Um, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I left the job for a reason after nine months, and it was because I couldn't tell whether weekend week started and finished. <laughs> and the on call, I was at risk. I missed a phone call during sleep because that iPhone it turns on to silent, you know. Mm. Yeah, and uh, that's what happened. Uh, and then, of course, fifteen minutes later, they'd called my chief, and this happened again, oh. uh, like three months later. And that's where my problem was. Because um, you needed to uh, sleep. And then it, <laughs> Well, yeah, so I'd been waking up in the middle and like what I'd realized was it's just going to happen again to me mm. uh, and it can happen to anybody. So I don't want for things to escalate. And it was stressful enough making sure I don't miss a phone call in the day because of this. Wow. Uh, and that's probably the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Mm. Not a big deal. Nothing serious. It's just you don't want it to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a lot of, it's a lot of pressure to be under con- continuously. Um, regardless of how much you're sort of getting paid. Um, yeah. yeah. It's the system, uh, Uzi, because uh, over here you'll have a registrar who work his butt off to try and find you if you're not contactable. Mm. They're not going to go and complain. They're going to keep trying to call you. They're going to email you or message you mm-hmm. when you're on call. Yeah. But over there, there never was a registrar. So the guy who's calling you is from another department anyway. He doesn't know you from Adam. Mm. if he can't get hold of you he'll call your chief there's actually a policy in the hospital if you can't get hold of the doctor on call you escalate it to the chief yeah mm. uh, and then they get called at three o'clock in the morning oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. i suppose the guy who's trying to call you in the first place will be a consultant in another specialty yes this is so for sure. they're not going to have that that patience that a junior in another specialty would have and there's not going to be that kind of like seniority respect that they would have as well it's going to be like it's going to be a consultant wanting a consultant's opinion straight yeah. away this is true. Um, and actually, those conversations were a lot kinder between us at the start. It was quite nice, actually, because in radiology, we always get, I have no problem with juniors calling me, but in radiologists, mm-hmm. it was always juniors. But over here, it wasn't. Uh, mm. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. But the system doesn't suit the radiologist, you see, because you've got to look through a scan on a laptop after that. Yeah, mm. yeah. You didn't have a work session at home? No, and there was a reason for that because then they'd expect the report, the written report to happen. And once you open the floodgates, then it just goes 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. And so now they're working on teleradiology companies, which I may be brokering, you know, Mm. in the future, just to help the radiologists get through the next day. Um, Okay, so now on to the bit that um, everyone will be, um, have been waiting for, uh, Mm -hmm. the package. So Mm -hmm. on paper, at least, is it really as good as people say it is? Um, I'll be candid. Uh, my salary was 62,000 dirham per month. Uh, and my incentive was like around 14,000 dirham per month, well, 75,000 dirham. I got a house, I got health insurance and a flight back and kids fees if they're over six years old. And it came to approximately 110,000 dirham per month. Um, so it's which divided is, by about four, isn't it? For... So at the time it was five right now it's 4.5. Uh, so for me it was, a Twenty thousand pounds, twenty one thousand um, pounds, and that's tax free. So it's what, like in the UK terms, to get that in your mm. account, you're yeah. looking at thirty five thousand pounds a month, maybe thirty three, mm. something like this. Yeah, which how is far phenomenal. does that go? Uh, so in my case, uh, you know, we didn't have a house to pay for or even bills to pay for. Uh, I would say um, comfortably with, with with a wife and child, you would save you would comfortably save £10,000 a month. Mm. Wow. Uh, I don't even know. So actually, uh, what I got in my pocket was about £15,000 a month, you know, because I gave you the figures for the house and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And of the 15000 I think you could comfortably save eight, eight and £9,000 a month. Right. So just to, just to clarify, so the house was paid for, was that? Yeah, so this is the one hospital in Dubai, the only hospital that give you a house as part of your package. Okay. Um, and that's uh, a good thing because uh, the rates can change year on year. They can go up. They usually go up. So that mm-hmm. doesn't get discussed. Um, so I got a house which they rent. Some houses they own the hospital. The rest they rent mm-hmm. as they expanded. And I was in one of their rental houses, which is very nice. It was in the middle of Dubai. Uh, and I didn't pay a penny for anything. All the bills were in the name of the hospital. 
and I just went in and everything worked and you can just call someone to fix something. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's cool, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You definitely see also, the appeal. Yeah, but it also it also this golden handshake, you should be really aware. It it kind of limits you. It stops you thinking any further because things are just too good. You don't take the initiative, you don't invest yourself. Uh, and you won't even move from people won't move from the hospital because they have they have a house and things are done for them. Mm-hmm. For example, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a bit like that here. I think it's a bit like that everywhere. So I ended up leaving it, thinking that I don't want to be, you know, conned into thinking that I can't do anything else because we can. You can even buy your own house, and then they'll give you uh, a certain amount, like eighty thousand dirhams a year, towards your accommodation. The actual mm. price of that house was about 180,000 dirhams per year at the time. So it makes sense to take the house. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so does that answer your question about, so is that better? It's so much better, isn't it, financially? <laughs> but it is. It is. <laughs> it is yeah. but, but You're giving look, up a lot for it, though, in terms of just your humanity. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, it sounds very oppressive, um, but I think it's still absolutely worth <laughs> it. Um, but at the same time, it's you are giving up a lot for that money. Um, I think, but it's probably a fair bargain. Like but that's, yeah, you can't you can't expect you can't expect to get paid more and not work more. And I yeah, suppose if you look yeah. at if you look at people who are in finance roles or law roles or something mm. who are who are earning that kind of money, yes, and you look yeah. at the hours that they work and the expectation that's on them in terms of contactability and yeah, weekend working yeah, and things true, like that, it's true. probably comparable. I would say. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that's. You hit the nail on the head. That that I think that's true. You take your like your your job profile changes to someone who can get. I, my best friends in finance, you know, they have this thing called they get whacked. They get whacked every uh, the cut every three months. Someone can get fired, and they promote the guy from beneath to come up. Mm. You know, on no salary growth, but it's wow. the same. You can get fired now <laughs> in this kind of work, but you're getting mm. paid well. I would say one year in England uh, saving in my situation was <coughs> one year in Dubai was the equivalent of three years in England. Mm. So my calculation was around buying myself time, not money, time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think yeah. it's worth it for that, you know. Uh, but look, I couldn't handle it. I'm quite weak when it comes to uh, having autonomy. Uh, and I think British people stu- suffer because it's really hard. Uh, you know, we have reports coming out and they'd say, can you change this, please? Um I, I can't get the insurance cleared if you don't write mm. there's thickening of this inferior meatus or, or you know, or I can't do the surgery if you say that there's no problem there. And you mm. have to bow down, otherwise you become mm. an enemy. Mm-hmm. This happened a lot with foraminal stenosis in the spine, for example. Okay. Yeah. I suppose it is it's all made up anyway, so you may as well make it up in your <laughs> in, in your favour. Yeah, mild, uh, mild, moderate. I mean, cheers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the 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 thing I think people say um, that you know you can always come back to a job in the NHS. I don't I don't think that's fair. And I don't think that's polite or kind. I, I don't think that's the case. You can probably come back. You can definitely come back and find a job in the NHS somewhere. But whether it's with the people you wanted to work with or you enjoyed working with, or mm. your job, that's that's not going to be the case. There is something to lose. Uh, when you leave here, it just depends on how much the, the appetite of risk that people mm. have. I think. Well, it's life experience, as you say. I think you you yes. have a you have a sort of mentality where you seem to be quite adventurous or you inquisitive and um, curious and see what what is out there. I'm probably um, sort of opposite minded. Um, tend to be more risk averse, but mm. I envy parts of that mindset but then i think yeah the negative bits that you've mentioned are probably the ones which are going to stick with me more than the opportunities i suppose and that, that's no that's, that's a shame so so but that's a shame because uh when you go out and you understand what's out there there are other things you learn there are holes there are gaps there are sweet spots which is what um i've ended up working on now mm. uh, and, and, and you know jamie can tell you a little bit more about this as well but um you can now work for uk-based companies in Dubai and you can be working with peer review systems that are UK based and reputable. Mm. Uh, we didn't have that in Dubai. You weren't allowed to really call something out so easily because the spotlight would be on you. But over in England, it's quite a an open table approach. That's, that's a great thing. But mm. 
you might have the pay profile of what what you get in the UAE. Mm-hmm. And that's attractive, right? So mm-hmm. so Best that's because worlds. someone went yes, that's because someone went out there and did the homework. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that mm-hmm. you know there's there's actually a lot that's going to change for British radiologists who might want to live out there and I'd be happy to talk about that. That that uh, might um force the Dubai um hospitals to uh, improve work conditions for their own um radiologists maybe. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I don't think the working conditions were great. I mean, food oh, okay, was great, okay. uh, but but I think what you mean you, the I mean, pressures. You mean being the pressures. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's different in the government hospitals. I've got friends who have good, good, comfortable deals in government hospitals. In the private hospitals, it is they turn the screw because they have to, and mm-hmm. you're a replaceable part. So maybe my mm-hmm. experience is related to private healthcare. Uh, in my particular journey and my portfolio career, it was very important for me to take private medicine experience in private healthcare mm. and that's why i was very keen on that can you leave the uk and go and work in a government hospital yes yes you can there are people who've done that in uh, i don't know of in dubai but i definitely know of people in qatar mm-hmm. and even saudi mm. that they've gone in the walk gone straight into a, a government hospital okay. and that's different yeah that's different yeah at the, at the global congress i remember speaking to a guy who was working in a government hospital in doha um, yeah. and his his kind of experience was more akin to what he was doing in the UK prior to moving yeah. out there, I think, but just with... Yeah, very good. I remember him telling me that he had um, a neck ultrasound list, and so yeah. he was doing FNAs and, and that kind of thing, and uh, I think he was given like one-hour appointments for each of them, <laughs> and um, he had a technician with him and a sonographer, yeah. So it was. It I mean, was very I get thirty minutes. I get thirty minutes or forty-five minutes as well. But mm-hmm. that's because the sonographer gets that. So there'll be four rooms, and they'll be they'll be going around the clock. So um, they still come out with like twenty or thirty scans, mm-hmm. and then there'll be clinics. You see, so what happens is the hospital expands. They have clinics around Dubai, and all of those filter into your list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. you know, there's a scale, and it's hard for you to keep up with that. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The generally the public hospital work. Uh, work profile is better, but I think the pay is less as well. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. I do, I, yeah, I think the pay is significantly less. Uh, uh, and Dubai is Dubai. It's not Abu Dhabi, it's not Bahrain, it's not Qatar, it's not uh, Saudi. Everybody and their grandmother come through Dubai. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so many friends I met because they came through Dubai, even family members, uh, and the, the transport links are fantastic, and I, I mean to the rest of the world. Mm. Uh, some people might want to do that if they're, you know, young in their career or young in their lives or whatever stage they are, they can just get to other parts of the world, like the East. You couldn't get to from England. That's another reason I, I wanted to move, Uzi. Mm-hmm. The rest of the world is uh, more accessible. Mm. Yeah. So outside of your, um, so outside of work, did you have a nice life there? What was the, so we know the package, the salary sounds mm. quite good, but did you, um, did you like sort of, enjoy yourself get to go to nice restaurants and maybe like Mm. did you have a yacht um, (laughs) a a nice sports car some exotic pets (laughs) yeah i I have a walk around in a string vest uh, with a panther (laughs) chris eubank Um, that's not a pretty sight um yeah um so yes i think the short answer is yes um so my wife and, and me, we had a, uh, we got a maid uh, that was about £700 a month. Uh, and you you build a community, so you're helping her. She's living with you, she eats with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a gardener. Uh, uh, and basically, they um, earn from us. So even if we don't need him, we'll just have him. It's like £50 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not because we're really uh, free with our money. It's because somebody's getting benefit. Yeah. Mm. But the helper was fantastic. Ashia, her name is, she's phenomenal. She um, would clean everything all the time. And we wouldn't ask her. But the point here was that we'd have more time to spend with our children, child, because mm. all that stuff would be done by Ashia. So uh, that was a great thing. And the other thing is, when in answer to your question about restaurants, when uh, he goes to sleep, our son, Ashia's at home. Mm. And that means we can go out because we, yeah. we do have the, the camera on him, but Ashia will be there if he wakes up crying and then we'll come home. But we, we feel much more comfortable about going out to dinner. To nice restaurants, you know. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we, we I think we have a very happening life in, in Dubai. And I think that's because it's Dubai, not the mm. other places. Yeah, 
there is yeah there is a lot going on there i suppose because they've they've made the decision that they want to attract loads of tourists so they have to have things mm. that attract tourists yes yes mm. uh so many different things and it's not just restaurants it might be you could go play um, volleyball on the beach at night for example mm. there's fun paddle tennis is a big thing there's a lot we're exploring i've only been there 15 months myself uh, and nine of those months or fit well 17 months and 15 of those were like with a heavy workload so now i'm only trying starting to explore it really, i think mm. so how how conservative is it out there obviously at the moment with the world cup in in qatar there's quite a lot of a spotlight on kind of the differences between middle eastern and western cultures mm. um is it is it an easy transition kind of oh, culturally yeah, yeah. Uh, qatar is very different place mm. to dubai i don't know enough about qatar the people who live in qatar say that this is not really true um, what's happening with the World Cup, I think that, for example, the Budweiser thing, I think people stopped talking about it when the football started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is yeah. interesting, and they haven't had a single ev- episode of violence. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, yeah. I don't have, really have an opinion on that, but Qatar and Dubai are very different. Dubai, you, you can show skin uh, within reason, like it isn't, even in England or France, you're not allowed to walk around with top with your top off. Uh, people drive around in bikinis and pink Rolls Royces. It's normal. <laughs> it's normal. That does not happen in Birmingham, where I'm from. <laughs> uh, you know, things like alcohol are twice as expensive. Um, and maybe that's a good thing because you don't get Larry people on the street. You never mm. get Larry mm. people on the street. In fact, if my son falls down, somebody will pick him up and dust him off and even mm. maybe give him a kiss. And we feel weird about that in England, but there's a certain kindness that people aren't afraid to show over there. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic thing, guys. I think that is something you can't get in many places, and that's 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 worth its weight in gold. That that because it yeah. shows your children. Okay, they won't have as much stranger danger, but they also don't see the world as a an evil place. It's really mm. important for a child. You hear a lot of people say that Dubai is a very safe place. Like you, yeah. you know. Women can walk around the streets at night and not feel feel worried. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just the things like that. I think would make a would make a huge difference. Yeah. So, mate, I don't lock my house. Good job you don't know where I live. I don't lock my house. <laughs> I don't. I don't lock my car. There's just a gate outside where. Um, and if someone comes in, Ashia's in there first anyway. So. <laughs> but you don't. And there's security in our compound. Uh, it, it's amazing. That mm. is like probably how my grandfather explained England was uh, fifty years ago. Mm. Uh, yeah. That that's another that's another example of buying back time. You know, when I said buying back time, that that's an example of it too. The lifestyle, um, yeah. when you can feel what's safe and people are respectful on the streets, and you know we have stereotypes, but honestly, yeah, people are just. Even when I come back to England, I'm kinder than mm. I am to other people. Then I see other people, I'm I'm kinder. Mm. Uh, it's yeah. a big difference to me. I think it's great that you sort of um, present that picture because, yeah, there has been so much negative media attention on the Middle East um, recently. And, and yeah, I think people are focusing a lot on some of the, um, a lot of the negatives and you're presenting some yeah. of the positives of that culture. So I think that's, that, that is definitely a great thing for you to convey. Arabic hospitality, yeah. isn't it? It's kind of renowned. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're very way. kind when it comes yeah. to whether they want to be or aren't. They will definitely be aware to be. So it's it's like you know the hospital I worked at. Uh, some of their some of their staff they pulled over were from hotels, uh, and the, the the CEO of the hospital group is the CEO of the hotel group as well. Before, and he would just pull stuff over, and these people would be the VIP escorts. They'd call them. But they'd essentially be taking the VIP patient everywhere and interacting with the doctors, making sure the best things happen, not putting too much pressure on anyone, making sure life is good. Mm. They've got tea. Um, <laughs> it was very good. Wow. Uh, it's concierge service. And mm. so, even in the shops, you know, people are kinder. Mm. That's because they know you've got money to spend. <laughs> I, I, actually, you're, I think it's because they if if somebody complains, they, they will lose their, or they're worried they'll lose their job and therefore they yeah. lose their visa and therefore they have to leave Dubai. God, yeah. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things I think when people don't commit crime, it's because they're just out of the country, I believe. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't Great happen, deterrent. of course. Yes, yes, yes. That's politics. We don't want to talk about politics. <laughs> so you're not, you're not working for a, a UAE employer at the moment. Um, no, Jamie, no. So you're, but you're still, still working out in Dubai. So, so what is it, what's kind of the career plan now? So I am doing teleradiology for UK companies and I won't mention, um, but I'm working for two companies at the moment. And then I, 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 I work with startups a lot, you know, and I've been through a couple of rounds with my own startups and I'm working on a, a radiology based startup, which basically works on reinventing the way information is presented to patients, to doctors. Uh, and it's very exciting. Okay. Um, oh. Yeah. So it's not just the report that's written on the piece of paper, which has never changed in over a hundred years. Right. Um, mm. So I'm trying to find better ways of reporting or passing on knowledge, passing on information mm. uh, for, for, for whoever the reader is. Um, and I, that takes up my time. Uh, and I've had some offers actually from Dubai and from the UK, which I'm considering, uh, which are more to do with uh, business building and strategy and um, that kind of world. It's more like a management and corporate world, uh, which are very Mm. attractive. uh, And that's what I like as well. So, um, yeah, uh, when you jump into it, you know, you jump into the river, it'll take you somewhere, but there'll be different places to what you knew here. And Mm. I'm really keen to push that point to everybody listening. Do you think that Dubai is somewhere that attracts those people with an entrepreneurial mindset? Do you think there's opportunities for entrepreneurs out there, whether you're, you've got a healthcare background or, or whatever it could be, but is it is it kind of culturally something that's, that's encouraged out there? Yes. Uh, yes, I think so. Um, encouraged. I just, I just think that you have the chances, don't you? And then mm. people might call me a chancer, but I've fallen into <laughs> all of my situations, I think. I've not been chasing them. Yeah. Uh, I think that I am entrepreneurial, and my colleagues, some of my colleagues over here, just think I'm just falling on my face uh, all the time, but, but I'm not. <laughs> uh, and I have so many. I've got registrars, uh, and I'm really proud of this. They call me the blueprint, mm. which is the biggest compliment you can get, and it's not yeah. because... I might earn X amount of money. It might be just because I'm now connected with this guy and I'm now doing this. And, you know, I have the chance to do this. That's attractive, isn't it? It's not about money. Um, I think the entrepreneurial, there are people that come to Dubai who want a safer place for their kids when, you know, they're in their fives to fifteens or something. And and that kind of family man does turn up there and doesn't mind taking all the rubbish that comes with a bad work-life balance because Mm. their kids are happier. So there's two kinds of people, I would say. Yeah. Nobody goes there when they're 20. That's what I will say. I think I think in right. medicine, especially, people go as what is considered to be the finished article. Yeah. And in our yeah, case, yeah. that's a consultant. That's 30 plus. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, and are most people out there for like a, a set term and then they sort of come back? Is that generally, you don't get citizenship, do you? Yes. So when I went there, that was everybody was saying that it's a revolving door. And you see it very clearly with teachers like people who go to Dubai. My math teacher in my school in England, he was there for 18 years. He smelled like mothballs. He looked like <laughs> he, he, he looked like you'd expect a math. St- well, I expect a math teacher to look. But my, my, the point is, he's been there for 18 years. That doesn't yeah. happen in Dubai. These guys, they come for two, maybe three, maybe four years and they'll go back. Uh, and maybe it's about money, maybe it's about having a better life, but they don't stay. Everybody was saying that when I got there. The same was for medicine, the revolving door of Dubai, they call it, but mm-hmm. they're trying to change it. So they're offering golden visas, they're offering retirement visas, they're offering pensions, golden pensions now, because they realize that actually the oldest, the older population in the world generally, they have more money. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's becoming more disposable if you look at like uh, social factors. Uh, older people generally don't spend as much on maybe maybe their kids or their grandkids, but they might save for themselves more or, or, or less people are in relationships, for example, or having children and they may have more money to spend going forward. And I think that people see it as a, a place to cash in. Uh, you know, help is cheap in Dubai. You can have a driver, you can have a mm-hmm. maid, you can have... Uh, you know, nurses at home and you can have a nice house. Mm-hmm. So in answer to your question, Uzi, I think 
there is a change where they're trying to bring older people, uh, retired people, into Dubai and keep them there mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just figuring it out. That's exciting too, right? Uh, yeah, when yeah. you leave, when you leave this country and you go to a place like that where you never see someone who's older than sixty, unless they're on holiday or Emirati, you know, it 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 it, it teaches you something, and then. You start to see, you know, where they're concentrating. They build so many houses. They need people to buy these houses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're going to offer you options. I, I know MediClinic, one of the hospitals, came to England and they literally tried to take 40 or 50 consultants. No, King's Hospital and MediClinic, uh, yeah. King's College. They tried to take many consultants over uh, and they're trying to sell uh, the British healthcare system of honest and being honourable and not overselling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Versus the American one, where we're just going to go, you know, all guns blazing. I'm, yeah. I'm really stereotyping, but I'm, I'm just, you know, showing the difference that mm-hmm. they're trying to work with. So, overall, then, is working in the Middle East something that you would recommend to other UK trained radiologists? That's a good question. I can't answer for the Middle East. It's very varied, but I can answer for Dubai. And I hope that's enough. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Dubai, Dubai is amazing. Uh, you know, I miss it right now. Uh, will I live there forever? I don't know. But what we're getting out of it now, even my son goes to an international school where he goes to a Canadian school, you know, mm. uh, and he learns French and he learns Arabic. And you don't get that option here for British radiologists. Radiology, I would say, is a phenomenal career where you can be a portfolio doctor, you can work one day a week, you can work three days a week, you can take six months away and still mm. come back to it, right? And then on top of that, you can work any from anywhere in the world now. There are some bits of it you might have to give up, like your injections or your intervention, but there are very few careers that offer that. And if that is there for you, you should explore it. Mm. I, I strongly advise mm. it. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can give out my email address. Um <laughs> It's okay. We can put it in the description on the. Yeah, uh, or we can if people want it, they can they can ask us and then. Yes, we'll, exactly. We'll it exactly. Out. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, but I, I strongly recommend Dubai for a period of time, and there, there'll be a new way to work there where um, you can probably work for British systems mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. take the uh, pay profile of what the UAE hof- offers. Uh, I personally think it's safer too because you're not worried about your job as much there's yeah, not a culture yeah. of you know sacking people in england mm-hmm. or, or the uk especially in medicine you know we work with problems we fix problems uh, we show reflection these things don't happen as much over there yeah. but can you get people to work as hard without those uh, tough targets uh, hanging over them that's a good question i think it's more complex than that people will fear losing their job because they don't want to lose their visa or where their kids are going to school but if you're promising them that anyway, um, then maybe they'll be more motivated by not having to pay tax or mm-hmm. not having to deal with crime as much. Mm-hmm. And there might be other factors that motivate them then, at least for the short term. I don't think anybody likes to worry about the job for the long term either. Yeah, yeah. I guess as well, if you're if you're working, if you if you're doing some teleradiology, then if you're being paid per scan, then that's kind of motivating in itself. Because if you don't turn the yeah. workstation on you're not going to get paid so that's always yeah. going to motivate people to do more work yeah that's that that's true for sure so you know when i do teleradiology now there's a certain number of scans i want to make sure i do it might take me all day um but i can manage my own time i'm not as mm. fast as some you know uh mm. but but i don't mind it, it's a really good learning curve as well mm. uh you'll go back to england with a lot more to offer people over here are asking me already when are you coming back to be cd which I think is silly, um, <laughs> but 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 there there's uh, some preconception that you go over there, you learn private medicine, and you come back a businessman. But that mm. also shows what people actually think of places like that. They think you can come back and you can lead them. Well, that's a compliment, then, isn't it? Even if they hate yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're not seen as some like defector who's banished forever. No. You're still going to pick up some skills that that will be useful. Yeah. Yeah, and these skills are of value. They're just not easy to come by maybe in England. 
Mm. Do you think you could come back and and work just uh, in a in a normal UK radiology department now? Or oh, for sure. I I I love uh, the interaction you have with you know the department, whether it's here or whether it's there. It's certainly different in both, but I'm a fan of both. I'm you know that that is going to work for me. It's not necessarily teleradiology, uh, so I would happily come back and work here, but I'd want to offer more than what other people can offer which is which is being even a great radiologist you know there's more that i can offer now so i'm building that part of me uh, and Mm. that's a journey so when i come back here the things i might be doing would be the stuff other people aren't keen to do but i definitely take that pressure away from them Mm -hmm. yeah brilliant you know great so yeah i think we're gonna wrap things up there um thank you for sharing your experience you've given us a really sort of great overview nice and balanced um and considered opinion so um i think our listeners will find that very interesting um hopefully not too appealing because you're gonna um lure too many of them away but um i think yeah um there are definitely opportunities that um people should think about exploring it seems like yeah i just think that especially in radiology if you've been given like it's it's for sure one of the best fields in medicine if i was a surgeon if i was a neurointervenor and I stopped working for three months, I'm going to have to prove to someone that I can still do what I do. Yeah. Mm. And this is a huge point. If you recognize this early, I think you can do a lot more with your career and your time and your life than uh, you could if you take, you know, the sexy jobs like intervention or surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then radiology can be, well, I would say sexy. <laughs> what way to end? <laughs> yeah, that's the soundbite for the audio clip. For the... Yeah. <laughs> Great. So, thank, thanks for that, Ubi. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll be back next month with another episode. And in the meantime, you can catch all of our previous episodes on all the usual podcast platforms and at anchor.fm forward slash radcast. And for more updates, check out our social media channels. So, you can find us at Radcast Academy on Twitter and Instagram. Bye. Bye.